is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. These are the opening lines of a famous poem by Emily Dickinson. You probably have heard or seen this poem recently, especially if you're on Pinterest. Thanks to the current trend to put a bird on it, you will find the first line of the poem, Home is a Thing with Feathers, stenciled on any and all decorative items that stand still. Pillows, posters, coffee mugs, canvas bags. Everywhere I turn, I see Emily's words, and I wonder what would she make of this? What would she think of those few lines being taken and used for decorative purposes? Because that is what her words have been reduced to, pretty decorations. And if one were to stop there at that first line, at the bit about the feathers, one might be tempted to think that Emily is comparing hope to something that is fragile, something that is delicate and dainty, something that is more decorative than functional. But if you are a bird watcher or a scientist, a hunter, an inquisitive child, or perhaps a farmer, then you are well aware that feathers are anything but dainty. You know, as I am sure Miss Dickinson knew, that feathers are incredibly strong and yet incredibly flexible. They both support lift and forward movement. You might even be aware that feathers also aid the behavior of the bird within its environment and its lifestyle, and therefore are unique to each type of bird. Feathers that support the soaring flight of an eagle have a much different role than the feathers that protect a backyard chicken. So if hope is a thing with feathers, as Miss Dickinson alludes, then could it follow that hope is also all of these things? If hope is the thing with feathers, and feathers are incredibly strong and incredibly flexible, then perhaps that is how our hope should be as well. If feathers are not mere decoration, but instead they are specialized tools, uniquely designed and calibrated to help their particular owner thrive, then perhaps we should think of hope as more than a bit of spiritual fluff for the soul. What would it mean for our lives if we were to think of hope in these terms? What would it mean to our hearts and our faith if we understood hope to be something that is both strong and flexible, as something that bends and is not rigid? What would it mean to walk on the earth with the understanding that hope is something that can both support lift and forward movement in our lives if we will let it? And what about the lines in the poem, and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all? Does this mean that hope never stops? That it is a tune deep in our souls that hums along despite all logic? In today's readings, we heard about Abraham and God's covenant with him. We read of Abraham's hope against hope and God's promise, and how Abraham's faith grew when, as the message translation puts it, he plunged into God's promise. Reading today's passages and those that come before and after them, you will see, as I did, that Abraham's response to God's covenant was not passive. It was active. He was filled with hope, a hope that hummed an endless tune, perhaps. And his response to that hope was to act. And it was in this combination, the combination of hope and action, that Abraham's faith grew. Abraham accepted the invitation. He decided to dance to the tune of hope inside him. He allowed his hope to lift and to propel him forward. Abraham stepped out in faith. He showed up. He did the work. Quite frankly, that meant that he slept with his wife, which is what was needed to fulfill the promise. 
After all, God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation and that his wife, Sarah, would, be, would birth the first child of that nation. And God didn't promise or offer any immaculate conceptions this go-round, which left things in Abraham's court. If Abraham's hope had been rigid and unbendable, if he had thought of it as spiritual fluff, as pretty words on a pillow, I'm not sure he would have acted as he did. Perhaps he would have gone down to JJ's and sat at the bar on Saturday nights and said, well, I sure hope this works out, but come on, y'all, I'm old and my wife is old. Maybe this is just a metaphor. Maybe God just means I'll be the spiritual father of a great nation. Let's just wait and see. Surely he doesn't mean I should go home and, you know, I bet he means I should just think of myself as a father of great nation. But thankfully, instead of, of going down to JJ's, Abraham, Abraham heard the endless tune of hope and God's promise, and he decided to act on it. He decided to dance to it. And this is where his faith blossomed. Eighteen years ago, on another March 1st, just like today, just a few months before I was about to be married, my parents' home, along with many others, was destroyed in a tornado that ripped across this state. The tornado came in the mid-morning when many were still sipping their first cup of coffee on a lazy Saturday. When my father stepped out on the porch to check the weather and heard the telltale sign of the approaching freight train, he knew it was time to take cover. He grabbed my middle sister, the only child at home that day, and my mother and shoved them into an interior closet. On the way to the closet, my mother grabbed two things, her old worn Bible and the material for my bridesmaid's dresses. If she hadn't, it's almost certain that they would have wound up in a tree in Circe or Bald Knob. As the freight train passed overhead, my father heard, held the door shut and prayed over them all. And when they walked out of that closet, their lives would be forever changed by the wreckage that the storm left behind. And the only portion of ceiling that remained intact was a square above their closet. For years we have laughed about my mother grabbing that fabric of all things, and I have often wondered if she would have done things differently if she had known the damage the storm would wreck on her home and her life. But to me, as a young bride whose parents were a little iffy on me getting married before graduating from college, it spoke volumes. In her split-moment decision, I saw my mother's hope for me and for my life. And in her actions, I also saw faith. Her faith that I would get married, that we would need those dresses, and that most of all, that my wedding and my marriage were worthy of protection. In that one action, my mother told me more about her love for me than she probably knows. Eighteen years later, I am still married, and my parents live in a house they built on the same bit of land where that tornadoed house stood. While the hard work of rebuilding the house eventually came to an end, the hard work of building a healthy marriage continues. But both the rebuilding of my parents' life and my beginning a new life with Nathan were rooted in a fierce and active hope, a hope that, as it turns out, was strong and flexible and calibrated to helping each of us survive, a hope that sang a tune that only we could dance to in our own ways, our faith growing with each step that we willingly took forward. In the church, I think we tend to assign hope to the season of Advent, and all too often we think of hope as a passive, waiting for something lovely and life-changing to happen sort of thing. But the kind of hope that Abraham exhibited is the sort of hope that I prefer. The kind of hope that belongs to the wild, un unknown desert of Lent. It is the same sort of hope that keeps me married on those days when everything seems futile. 
It is the kind of hope that withstands the storms in the second stanza of Emily's poem. It is an active, not passive hope. It is a hope full of leaps and risk and changing plans and forward movement. It is strong, and it uses everything it has to help me survive and thrive. As we read in Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season. Some seasons are about waiting, and some seasons are about going. In Lent, we go. We go into the wilderness looking for our faith to grow in ways that we cannot predict. Many of us leave certainty behind, and we enter the desert with only our questions and God's promise to meet us in them. But the good news is this. However, or why ever, we enter Lent, we do not have to go in passively. We can go in dancing. Because hope is singing us a tune that will not end, no matter the storms ahead. Amen.